Good morning, noon, or night, ladies and gentlemen, gifted animals. Welcome back to the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And this week, obviously, going to do the Week 10 recap. And then we're going to do a little Week 11 preview just to see what is best for our fantasy lineups. How can we diagnose any of those issues that we might be having? It's that end of the season rush to the playoffs now. It's kind of like you're in it or you're not at this point. And now it's just about getting that best seating that you can get in your respective leagues. Jonathan Taylor owners feeling pretty good after this weekend. Got my clock rung by one of you. That was a thrill. But you know what? Hey, we're caught up in the log jam of six and four. I see a lot of log jams in certain leagues at five and five. And hey, that's the beauty of fantasy. We love seeing that competitive parity in a league. We don't want one guy necessarily dominating. We want to see maybe one person in first place, but then who knows, whatever happens after that, hey, the more parity, the better. Everybody lives for that. It's like Game of Thrones level action. Who's What trades are going to be made? What what moves are going to be made? What player is going to stand out? This is what we live for in fantasy football. This is the most exciting time of the year. As always, we're brought to you by Phantom Sports Industries. Join us at phantomsportsindustries.com, sports section of the internet for all your favorite stories from your favorite leagues. We're getting things churning. We're getting things burning there. It's a pretty exciting time. More things coming out. Check out our store. We have some pretty awesome NBA City jerseys with the Phantom brand. Shout out Shane for making those, CEO. Pretty sweet stuff. So with that being said, we're getting into the episode. We have a special guest today to help us review what happened in week 10. And without further ado, let's get started. Alright everybody, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that intro. It's not too special, but is what it is. So, I don't have a lot of outside guests, but this is our first one we're having outside of the Phantom Sports umbrella. And I brought on a guest that I really admire his work on the interweb. He's kind of a deep dive find, but if you are a Redditor like myself, Hopefully you might have stumbled into this guy going through the bowels of the internet, and it is Byron Cobalt. Byron Cobalt yep. has his Thank own you, Brandon. website. Was... Yeah, Bye. thanks. Um, uh, thanks for finding me through the bowels. You know, it gets dark <laughs> and uh, it, you know, kind of lonely in there. So I was happy to see um, see a few people uh, strolling through. Thanks for stopping to say hi. Yeah, happy to uh, join the podcast and um, yeah, get into a little bit of week ten. Week 10. Yeah. And tell the people where they can find you quick because you're a good read when you have the time. Uh, your blogs are, uh, they're, they're a piece of work and I just feel like more people need to need to jump on that site because it is a true gem to say the least. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yep. I, um, I, so if anyone's not familiar with the depths of the internet, so you can find uh, my blog at byron-cobalt.com. 
Uh, there's a little bit of a side story to that, but mm -hmm. uh, Byron-Cobalt.com, or you can uh, really the place where most of the action is is on Reddit. So um, a Reddit username is just u slash Byron Cobalt. Uh, it's B-Y-R-O-N-C-O-B-A-L-T, uh, Cobalt Like the Bomb. So uh, check it out there. So what I do is my blog is based around this metric I came up with called Fantasy Games 1. Uh, the idea there is when you look back on a fantasy football player's season, fantasy points aren't the best metric, in my opinion, for measuring how successful the player was. Obviously, if a player scores 40 points in one game versus 40 points spread over 10 games, it's a little bit of a different impact. So the idea with Fantasy Games 1 is I use some statistical methods to try and uh, reframe player success in terms of how many games they've really won you. Um, and when I, I dive into that, I make fun of a handful of the players, make fun of myself. It's a uh, pretty, hopefully, uh, thanks for the uh, kind words, Brandon. Hopefully it's an enjoyable read for everybody, and I encourage anyone else to uh, that isn't familiar with it to check it out. Absolutely, and we'll provide the links in the podcast description for uh, Byron Cobalt's Reddit and his site because more people have got to be reading this because it it's so true when you look at football as a whole fantasy points are such a limited metric from I mean, it's what we it's kind of what we base our Sundays off of though is like how many points our team has and it it is true but there's so many slow burns throughout a season that we don't even factor in when we're drafting a player like Derrick Henry you know how he always seems to really come to fruition later in the season more often than not i think he's probably the best and you know i've seen i've been in so many leagues i think it was like two or three years ago people were dropping derrick henry like it was it was going out of style and i i i've benefited from one of those situations and picked him up and then he went on to have that november to remember and i yeah. de december even and i was like what the heck like and that's now nobody would drop him ever but you're always looking for those moments with certain players i feel like that you might not see it weeks one through five but just because of the way defenses are adjusting and the different things that happen in football world some of these players it's like they're going to get the opportunities because their team's win ratio is going to be dependent on how many opportunities they get in a given game yeah, that's exactly right. And one, um, and on the other side of it too, sometimes you'll have a player that I'll just take Devonte Smith for example. Last yeah. year, a lot of people talked about Devonte Smith in the off season, um, and I'm not sure you're gonna uh, guess the way I'm going with this, but a lot of people talk about Devonte Smith being like a solid, like high potential guy. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he is. He's a very talented receiver. He did have some success last year, but if you owned him in fantasy, it seemed like every other week he was just putting this like uh, single digit point game out there. And that adds up for your fantasy team. And it, if it's kind of Deontay Johnson this year, it's if you have one of those players that you're just nickel and diming you, getting these below average weeks, it's tough to put that in the words. Fantasy managers know they have players that they'll never draft again. And I was hoping that I could put together a metric that can kind of measure that. So measure is like, I love this player because he always comes mm -hmm. through for me versus this player that no matter what happens, like it's Murphy's law. I bench him. He scores a ton. I start him. He just does nothing. So that's, uh, it's again, it's another way that's like, it's the life of the fantasy manager and it's tough right now with any, with available metrics to really crystallize what that experience is. I'd like to nominate Alan Robinson at the top oh, yeah. of that list, please. If I can yeah. have any, uh, influence on your, uh, I know, I know, it, I know you'll, I know you'll do it based off the numbers, but that's just what yeah. I, I, in my head, <laughs> 
that's the one that stings the most to me right now. I was like, I was like, new change of scenery. It's Matt Stafford. Oh man, I was yeah. I was so wrong. But hey, let's take a look at week ten because I think you'll be able to bring up some of these metrics for our top quarterback of the week. Uh Justin Fields coming in with the second uh week in a row being the top fantasy quarterback. Uh, all right, yeah. so couple of things and I'm just gonna parlay this with Cole Komet too, because one thing I wish we would have seen Cole Komet top tight end of the week, Justin Fields top quarterback of the league week in most league formats um dynamic duo most definitely we should have seen this coming with Cole Komet after the bye week when the Bears coaching staff said we are going to pull plays from the Baltimore playbook and who does Baltimore Ravens have Mark Andrews so Cole Komet was going to be the one to benefit especially because Chicago's receivers are just dog and their running backs it's so it's hit or miss with Herbert and Montgomery we should have seen it coming that I drafted Komet and then I dropped him early on and I'm hoping I can get him back on my roster if he's available in my league. He's my top buy of the week, probably, because he's probably the only Chicago Bear that's available out there right now that's worth picking up. But that that's just one that I was thinking of in terms of the metrics with the Bears. Yeah, definitely. So um, Justin Fields, um, it took a while for like, is he actually before these last two weeks where he's been excellent? He had back-to-back weeks where he was a decent showing. So points for most scoring systems right in the 20s, mm-hmm. uh, but no one was starting him yet. No. But you got to think, like, especially early season Bears, they were running the ball and at a rate that you knew regression was coming. Like, there was yeah. no way they were going to run the ball at that rate. This isn't a Tim Tebow situation. They weren't mm-hmm. going to spend the season running the ball like twice as much as they threw the ball. So you knew that volume was eventually going to come. It might not get to the point of where it's looking like um, you know some of the more high-flying offenses that we have. It's not going to look yeah. like the Eagles where they barely run the ball at all. But you knew that the volume eventually was going to get there. Justin Fields was, you know, he might have ended up early in the season. You could say, like, maybe this is – he doesn't really have it. But um, enough of a talent profile that it was worth a stash, at least, for some of these players on your bench. Absolutely. And you can you can listen to earlier episodes when I was making fun of the Chicago Bears coaching staff for not giving Justin Fields uh, more than 20 <laughs> passing attempts. And – it's he doesn't need 20 passing attempts it's kind of like a marcus mariota situation where like i mean eventually i would love to see him get to that point where he's passing because we saw him do it at ohio state and i know that every ohio state quarterback we're always a little like "Ah, i don't know but I, i i feel like he he is the package especially since he's they're letting him do this lamar jackson michael vick esque element of his game like I, I, I'm not saying he's Michael Vick yet, but it's starting to look very Michael Vick-esque. And I need to see more, obviously, over like a season, but uh, it's heading in that direction if he can stay healthy. Yeah, and I'll also add, this, was, this has been a very tough year for anybody that likes to stream quarterbacks. Justin Fields oh. has been like the number one find for yep. me. Um, and yeah, like compared to most weeks, we're looking between... Derek Carr, maybe Jared Goff, and Mariota in his current form. But um, if you picked up Justin Fields, the strategy paid off for you. There yeah. uh, is compared to maybe five years ago when you could count on a handful of these types of quarterbacks emerging. Mm-hmm. But uh, good on you if you're able to pick him up. I know um, I have him in one uh, dynasty league, and unfortunately, I started the year with him in the starting lineup. It was didn't go very well, but then um, soured on him a little bit, so I missed out on some of his good weeks. But yeah, he's the type of player where you're looking for. Um, 
yeah, he has the upside that like a Lamar Jackson has or Kyler Murray has that the pure throwers don't have just because the rushing stats are there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, so let's get into the top running backs of the week. So our top two running backs this week were Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Jones in most league formats. And so I I have a bone to pick with you after your blog last week, but I'll get to that later. Um, All right. Jonathan Taylor, JT, uh, Wisconsin Badger, love him. One of my favorite college players of all time. It's just been a rough year for him, but I feel like, so I know that we we dogged the Colts um, with Ursay's move to bring Saturday in, but I feel like we should have seen if Jonathan Taylor was healthy and Saturday an offensive lineman was going to coach, he was going to get this many opportunities just from a, a sheer arbitrage uh, perspective and no more Hines anymore. How does no more Hines affect Jonathan Taylor's uh, output if he is healthy? Yeah, and unless you had – unless someone had – like stud alternatives at mm-hmm. running back. Uh, it looks like Jonathan Taylor. So sneak preview for the uh, fantasy games. One recap this week His percent started dropped down to 82% this past week. So mm. shame on you. If you're one of the 18% of people who uh, bench Jonathan Taylor, unless you had someone like Tony Pollard to put in his place. So sure. he's obviously like, he's not going to end the season. His second half of the season, barring an injury is going to look anything like the first half. I think mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty safe. To say. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then the Packers finally, recognizing what their identity needs to be as an offense um Aaron Jones plethora of opportunities and we should expect this from him regularly I feel like as long as he's healthy as well also very impressive showing going up against that defense that was a little surprising to me being the second the top the second running back of the week yeah, it's funny. Uh, the career of Aaron Jones, I mean, I don't think I know another player who we've said free X as much as we've said free Aaron Jones. Mm. And it's weird because we're saying free Aaron Jones, and I think at the same time we're also saying free A.J. Dillon at the same time. Like somehow both running backs feel like they're both not being at their full potential right now. Aaron Jones we know also will throw yeah. off the game once or twice a year where – he'll have this like three or four touchdown game and that one might be coming. So like the big one isn't arrived yet. No. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like we were predicting the Joe Mixon day and the Alvin Kamara day. I I think there could be an Aaron Jones day as well, just because the Packers play enough defenses where the opportunities will be there for them. And defenses are going to want to take away that deep ball, especially after what we saw Aaron Rodgers capable of doing with Christian Watson. So it, the opportunities are going to be there. Now, I will say this about AJ Dillon. I was too high on him this offseason. I thought that yeah. the I I thought I was expecting more of what Tennessee is doing with Hilliard to be the case with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Yeah. I'm not saying that AJ Dillon isn't going to have his time. I still think especially in dynasty leagues He's a good he's he's a good one to stash right now because yeah. Aaron Jones is on the tail end of he's on the sunset of his career from what we know about running backs that are 25 plus statistically. Yeah. So AJ Dillon technically is the next in line to get that to get that share. It just hasn't been his year. They've they've needed him in different areas. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the prime for running backs is getting shorter and shorter. I think yeah. ten years from now we'll be talking about running backs leaving their prime about halfway through their rookie mm-hmm. season at this 
point. Like so, there's uh, it could be next year that AJ Dillon has his uh, is suddenly now the uh, the bell cow, um, and then he'd probably be there for about two years until they drafted someone else. But yeah, I think that's if you want someone who has the potential to be like a twenty touchdown guy at some point in the future. Yeah, I think AJ Dillon it could be it. Aaron Jones unlikely, I think. Um, just again, because the way running back careers go, um, I, we've probably seen the best of Aaron Jones, even though I do mm-hmm. think these probably, again, he has high potential rest of the year. If you need someone that can, mm-hmm. that can potentially win you a week by himself, he's one of the better candidates you can get, especially if it's, you haven't hit the trade deadline yet and you're yeah. leading and that's the type of player you're looking for. I would, I t- honestly, like, I think, yeah, it, he, you're not going to not play him as it's, it's too, yeah. he, you have to just because he has that Christian McCaffrey potential. Um, I yeah. think him and Christian McCaffrey so similar uh, in in their styles, and it's funny how one it was the higher value player just because of where he went to college. Um, it's just weird how we think about it that way, in my opinion. But hey, I don't, I don't, I don't make the rules. All right, so <laughs> then, uh, so let's talk about our top receivers this week: C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, and surprise in Christian Watson. This uh, this this Cowboys Packers game was responsible for a lot of fantasy points and a lot of fantasy wins. I feel like this week, more so than other games. I don't know wh- what else to say with with CD's performance. Uh, this was definitely had a lot to do with. I feel like the Packers playing a lot of guys that they kind of picked up off the street in the secondary outside of Alexander. But that's just you know from what we saw on the field. So well, I'm just curious what the numbers say about CD because I don't know if he has the potential to do this every week just because of the way he's used in the offense. But I could be wrong. What what say you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, CD Lamb, um, because of the percent star number for Christian Watson, obviously being a lot lower. Yeah. Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, heads and tennis shoulders above the rest of the wide receivers this week. Absolutely. Um, I mean, CD Lamb. If you think about the volume that typically is in the um you've seen in, in the Dak Prescott led Cowboys offenses. It doesn't Michael Gallup's not the receiver he used to be, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it might just be I don't know who else they're gonna use. Like I think that he's a decent bet if Dak Prescott can stay healthy. Yeah. To have maybe not he's he's not gonna bust out a, a giant week like this again, but at the very least a high floor type of play. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I'll uh, I'll say this too with Christian Watson, I'm not sure where he's going to land in this spectrum, but I think anything's in play between Chase Claypool post four touchdown game his rookie year Ooh. and Devontae Adams. I think both are in play. Yeah, I, I think you have to take if you can get a chance to get on your roster and just to gamble on him. I think you have to do it, but um, I could see both possibilities. For I could sure. see us next two years waiting for that second Christian Watson game never coming. Or I could see him suddenly becoming the new Aaron Rodgers uh, best friend. Uh, yeah. So, comp for comp for Watson somewhere in the what somewhere in the Mike Evans range, I would say. Just with an yeah. high high, I'd say Mike Evans. Low, I'd say Chase Claypool. I like that. I like that comp for him. He has the athleticism that we have never seen in Green Bay before from a receiver yeah. from the receiver position. Like I love Devonte Adams, Jordy Nelson, all those guys that we, the Packers had in the past, but he dude did a backflip after a 
58-yard fade. I I have never seen that. I have I have never seen that. I thought I thought he was MVS inca- reincarnated with the frying pan hands, but I I have my I'm I like the Chase Claypool perspective and I'm definitely going to go into that watching my Packers play for the next couple of weeks because I can I can see that. I can definitely see that. So I appreciate you putting my expectations at bay cuz it has not been yeah. a very good year and he has had a lot of injuries because he had surgery before the season even started. So that it's this yeah. was this game it, it definitely was a breakout and he is the top breakout receiver of the week in conjunction with being, you know, top 3, but I'm like I don't know if we can we're going to see it again with how hit or miss the Packers have been this season. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of the receivers that uh, have been successful with Aaron Rodgers, right? And I don't necessarily have the data to back this up. This is we we'll call this a, a strong gut feel. I feel like they're usually the type of the receiver of receivers that can make the catches in traffic, like Jordy Nelson, for example. Yeah. I have trouble reminding, remembering a lot of times where Jordy Nelson was wide open. Never. Probably same for like even going from like Javon Walker for Packers receivers, even going back to the far years. It seems like the Packers receiver that's successful, Randall Cobb's maybe an exception here, but the Packers sure. receiver that's receptive that is successful is a player who can capitalize on an accurate quarterback that might prove to be something Christian Watson can do. Um, part of the reason why I'm also hesitant to jump on the athletic receivers is as a Jets fan, I'm used to seeing, mm. um, I have too many memories of receivers like Stephen yep. Hill, for example. Super athletic, could jump over the guy, but the thing is he would jump 40 inches in the air and then basket catch it while he's up there. Like he was not a natural receiver. So yeah. I'm as skeptical about the athletic guys um, as uh, I guess maybe almost too skeptical, but um, yeah, I think all of that is in play, but again, when a player is athletic, that's why he was drafted in the second round, right? He wasn't very productive in college. He didn't come from a big school. It was because of the upside there and we'll see how it actually, uh, yeah, we'll see. This will be a big moment. Uh, let's see which direction it goes. Uh, I'm, and this stat doesn't give you fantasy points, but he's a run blocker. So that's he's yeah. he's his snap percentage is going to be high when he's when he's available and healthy. So it's going to be skeptical because we're going to see him on the field all the time for run blocking too. So it's I mean it's what he did at NDSU all the time. You can watch the film. It's it's all he does is is block yeah. but it they're impressive yeah. blocks he's pancaking dudes it's it's pretty awesome one one other thing to add for christian watson um now this is maybe a less sophisticated scoring system but good name so romeo dobbs not a good name christian watson has a really good name you can you can imagine him being a top flight <laughs> fantasy receiver i think that matters i i um, see that yeah i yeah. i like dobbs though dobbs has dobbs has been my biggest like surprise of the year i I, what he did in preseason and at camp i didn't know if it was going to translate into the season and the fact that it did and these guys are so raw still the fact that the packers got three guys in that draft that have all been seeing the field now that that could be a recipe for something special down the lines especially considering probably not going to bring sammy watkins back Randall Cobb is at the twilight of his career as well. Uh, So is Rogers. So it it couldn't be a better situation for the Packers from the receiver side, but we just need to see it capitalized now. And unfortunately it's tough to put that pressure on a rookie, especially with the Aaron Rodgers expectations on top of it. 
Yep. Yeah. Oh, it did take Devontae Adams uh, a season or two to get going too. So. Yep. It's absolutely. Not a, yep. Absolutely. And then, okay, so we spent a lot of time on Christian Watson there. We'd be remiss to not uh, talk about Justin Jefferson. What he did against Buffalo yeah. was very impressive. That catch was Odell esque. He just ripped, but but he had a defender on him, and he just he took it from the guy who was trying to intercept the ball, and. I'm about to say Kirk Cousins better be better be giving him something nice for that because he he's been he's I, Kirk Cousins should just be giving Justin Jefferson the same gift he gives the old lineman because he's been making him look so nice this year. Uh, I I don't know what else to say. Justin Jefferson coming into the second half of the season, I think he's going to win some fantasy leagues just because he's he's the target leader for the for the Vikings. Even with Hawkinson there, he's still going to the big play potential is just is unmatched and that's why i drafted him second in my fantasy league over christian mccaffrey i wasn't sold on on christian mccaffrey or any of the running backs in the top i took justin jefferson and i feel like i dodged a bullet just because yeah. you know you, you look at i know christian mccaffrey with the niners now is a different story but it felt like at that time i was like I don't know what to think of any of these running backs, but Justin Jefferson saved me from being at the bottom of my fantasy league, and I had one of the top two picks. Yeah. So Justin Jefferson actually, um, again, a sneak preview for the fantasy games one step for week 10. He actually led the league in uh, his fantasy games one step because even though he didn't score as much as CD Lamb, um, he uh, his percent started was at 99%, which, again, mm. the 1% of people not starting – Justin Jefferson, I don't fully understand that. There definitely people who no. just leave their leagues, like, you know, on team on autopilot. Um, it's interesting. You took uh, Justin Jefferson second. I um, I can't get it out of my head that he, again, I mentioned this earlier in my year, my blog, can't get it out of my head that he was the number two to Jamar Chase. It just feels odd that he's so far up yeah. there. But I have to say, he's probably, if you had to bet on a receiver to break the single game reception record right now, it might be Justin Jefferson, right? Like, I'm not sure who else would be. Um, question back to you. Who would you pick rest of the season? Justin Jefferson or Stefan Diggs at this point? Oh, man. Well, so it's interesting because Stefan Diggs can still coexist with Gabe Davis. And yeah. I don't think Justin Jefferson can coexist when you have a big Adam Thielen game and a big or yeah. a big TJ Hawkinson game. So with that, seeing what we're seeing. I have to take the Buffalo Bills offense over the Vikings yeah. offense because depending on the week, like Dalvin Cook's going to get a lot of attention. Now, obviously, like that Buffalo-Minnesota game, more fantasy points were there than what I had been projecting. But you look at what happened. Gabe Davis had a great game, and you would have started. You would have hopefully played him. Yeah. But Stefan Diggs had an even better game. So. It's it's kind. I I think I'd have to take Diggs just because of Josh Allen ultimately, and yeah. and just his ability to make plays in that offense. It's just a different setup for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm with you too, especially after the Cooper Cup injury. Like yeah. now we're looking at one of them is probably wide receiver one the rest of the way. I it know. Makes, it reminds me of actually the days when um uh, they were gonna roll out the Randy ratio in Minnesota. It feels like they're mm. doing that right the last few weeks with Justin Jefferson, at least. Yeah. I think it was three weeks ago where he had something like seven catches in the first quarter. 
quarter. Like it's, it, he could be, uh, um, he could carry you through the playoffs. He might not have the quite the same upside as like Jamar Chase, like he demonstrated last year, yep. where he won a lot of fantasy championships in the championship. But yep, um, yeah, no, it's uh, if you drafted him in the first round, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, no, definitely feel you with the Jamar Chase leading teams to championships. The same, similar with like Najee Harris too. Uh, it was interesting yeah. last year for rookies in particular, how that affected and how we're not, not we didn't i'm not saying we didn't have like good rookies this year i don't think we had the difference makers in this rookie class that last season had uh, last year that rookie group was something else but also the opportunities were different too for them so that had a lot to do with it as well and then yeah, of I think course, yeah we're just gonna say for rookies, we're probably outside of Kenneth Walker, not not a lot of people there. I know, yeah, Brees Hall. That one, that one, that one hurt. Brees Hall. I blocked that out of my memory. Just sorry, again. sorry, like, sorry, Brees, sorry, I, sorry. I'm pretending he's a rookie next year. Yeah, I he can't was. He was my top. He was yeah. my top running back pick in my drafts. So uh, it was yeah. just it was not. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you there. Sitting on sitting in my IR on my <laughs> dynasty league right now. We're hoping for we're hoping for a incredible year too. All right, so yeah. then obviously tight end Cole Komet, who everybody was raving about in the preseason but didn't actually come to fruition until after that fateful bye week where uh, where the Chicago Bears coaching staff was like, hey, Justin Fields, pretty athletic dude. Let's do what they're doing in Baltimore. I would love to see a comp of Baltimore's offense and Chicago's offense. Um that post that bye week that Chicago had, I think we'd see some similar metrics in terms of tight end target to quarterback running type ratios. I don't know what I'm, I don't know if I'm like naive to that or what, but I feel like we should have probably seen Cole Komet coming more. Um, yeah. I mean, especially when tight end is like, I think a lot of people usually say tight ends a wasteland. It's especially desolate yeah. this year. This is a rough year. I mean, I know some, I've seen some teams starting Taysom Hill like week in and week out now just because he has that upside potential. Lightning but, um, in a bottle. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Cole Komet, like we saw him at the end of last year, um, actually, um, he he's always kind of shown something and that's really all you can go by with tight ends a lot of times mm-hmm. like the volume statistics aren't necessarily going to be there no you're either going to go for someone like foster moreau who's going to get you a very reliable seven points or you need to go or we can go with someone with cole Komet who potentially become like the top receiver in the offense i think that's one thing that's notable about the ravens too is that mark andrews has been the number one target there since um 2019 guess, like, last few years 2019 yeah since since Lamar came on fully, yeah. I drafted him in the twelfth round in twenty nineteen. I had <laughs> wow. I had some inside scoop Baltimore uh Baltimore uh preseason stuff and uh I've I've yeah. I I drafted him before he was cool. Well I yeah. take that. Yeah. That's my well, one. I think lead. that was uh it was he was part of a three headed monster at tight end at the time, right? Yeah, because you had and Hurst Hayden, Hayden Hurst, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Hayden so. Hurst. Nice to see him back in relevance this year. Joe Burrow will do that too, yeah. though. Um, and yeah. then, all right, so Travis Kelsey. Now, I suppose at this point, we can all kind of look better back at our drafts 
at that second round window and why weren't we drafting Travis Kelsey? How many weeks has Travis Kelsey been responsible for wins this season? Especially if you had him paired with Patrick Mahomes. You would have to have a winning record, right? Yeah. So as of this week, as of this moment, pulled the numbers this morning, the number one and number two players by the Fantasy Games 1 metric that I run, number one is Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Number two is now Patrick Mahomes because Josh Mm -hmm. Allen and Austin Eckler had some off weeks. So if you had them, yeah, that's um, together. That's almost three wins. So if you're looking at – so that means on average, if you have that stack, you're something absurd like seven or wins or eight wins on average. So yeah. I don't know how many people pulled that off. It seems like um, that wasn't the most popular stack going to the year. Um, often the stacks where uh, I feel like the tight end stacks aren't always as popular as they should be. But yeah, that's um, Travis Kelsey. Honestly, I don't know if you remember like maybe eight years ago or so back when Jimmy Graham and Ron Gr- Rob Gronkowski oh. run. Do we have another Drew, Gronkowski Drew, and Ron Drew coming? Brees, Jimmy Graham, and then Tom Brady, yeah. Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez. Yep. And that was when they were actually, we were drafting tight ends in the first round. We haven't really, wow. as a fantasy community, put tight ends in the first round since then. And if Travis Kelsey were a few years younger, I think we might be doing it next year. But mm-hmm. um, I don't, yeah. honestly, he, he's, I mean, if you look at a few other tight ends, I know uh, Tony Gonzalez played for another like five years older than Kelsey did. Maybe there's something about the fountain of youth and tight ends in Kansas city, but um, I don't know. I might be forced to uh, take a pretty high next year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the secret. It's the barbecue helps the tight ends. It doesn't help the other positions as much. No, something about the tight end build needs the barbecue. Yeah. We should have also, I, so I was factoring in. Yeah. Tyree kill isn't there anymore. And I was like, okay, so, but Travis Kelsey, age, it, you know, they got – I should have smelt it from the second they drafted they, – they picked up Juju Smith-Schuster in MVS. What have those two players done on their respective teams? We have enough of a sample size of both those guys to know that they were just going to be dummy routes. I mean, yeah. it, it. we we should have known. We we should have seen it. We it, The writing was on the wall. And I, I'm not saying that like I'm kicking myself for it because I would have, I hate drive drafting quarterbacks, in the outside of the tenth round, I, I, I in in a draft. But I'm really rethinking and reconsidering this logic because I did end up taking Jalen Hurts in the sixth, and I'm grateful that I did because if I wouldn't have, my team would have been really bad. But um. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just frustrating, and I don't know how else to say it. But yeah, we're just we're just taking it as it comes right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think um, uh, there's yeah, we clearly the the demise of Travis Kelsey. Everyone kind of just assumed that he's going to get old. Everyone uh, at the other skill positions seem to be getting old fast these days. So, yeah, I know, I, but I agree with you. I think. Um, yeah, Juju's one big year was as the as the Robin to Antonio Brown's Batman, and he uh, he you know he hasn't shown a lot. He peaked when I guess what was Juju like twenty years old that year. So he uh, Juju doesn't really have it. It was I agree. It was kind of staring us in the face, but I think we let the um, over projecting get in the way. Sometimes you just do the easy hit the easy button. You hit the get the player that you know the 
uh, the devil you know. You know Travis Kelsey at least is going to get the volume. He's, uh, he's Patrick Mahomes' number one target. Patrick Mahomes isn't slowing down anytime soon. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I wish I had that stack in at least one of my teams, and I do not, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's just what – I just – I know somebody that drafted uh, Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews in a dynasty league. We did a dynasty startup this year. And they took Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. And so I had posted on the fantasy Reddit threads, has anybody considered doing this tight end stack? And I was laughed out of the gym. Like I was called stupid until the cows came home. And now I'm like, that would not have been stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. Mark Andrews is injured, but what what would have been stupid about that? I tried, um, I tried something similar last year in, uh, Maybe my with my premier team, and it did not work out as well. Sure. I went with the Kittle Waller stack because in this particular league, also you couldn't play running back in flex. Sure. So it was a little bit more uh, arguable that you could pull it off, but yeah, it didn't work out. Yeah. So unfortunate. Flex flex of the week. So I always give. So in my little um, all fantasy, I give three wide receivers, but the flex of the week would have been Christian Kirk. Obviously, yeah. in a lot of leagues probably would have had him no you wouldn't have had him as a starter he's only a flex guy honestly every receiver from the jaguars is a flex guy i can't take them too seriously consistently yeah it's still like even it's gonna they'll be great for like two or three years before we start taking him consistently um yeah christian kirk was in there i mean i could see um if you get similar percent started numbers i could see maybe an argument for jeff wilson yes who, uh, had no idea that the time to get him was when uh, uh, right after you know McCaffrey got traded to the 49ers. So um, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's one more. I guess the only other one that I could see really sticking in there is a flex that I missed the opportunity with. I mean, maybe Deontay Foreman gets an argument there, but he doesn't get quite the same volume and at least in the air. And his, uh, his performance wasn't quite up to the same level as uh, as Kirk and uh, Jeff Wilson this past week. Christian Kirk, too, one of those second half of the season darlings who just somehow seems to be the only receiver available for his quarterback. Happened to him in Arizona all the time. Is always a head scratcher. Like, why Why is he? Why, why, why him? There's something about him and the routes that he runs. He's just open for whatever reason, and he gets the targets. It's a strange... That'd be another one that that'd be like all second half, like receiver Christian Kirk definitely on the list. I was thinking you're going to accuse him of undermining his fellow receivers or something like telling them the wrong play or something. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, it's like 57 slant. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you'd have to worry about that in Arizona because I'm pretty sure they're getting the wrong plays sent to them on the regular, no matter who's calling them. So, uh, not yeah. too much cause for concern there. Then, all right, so defense of the week was the Commanders, which is strange, but I had heard a lot of people who I respect in, like, betting calling this game as being the Eagles' first loss. I, yeah. You can't say that it's just because Chase Young was back, but it definitely played into the fact that this was a divisional game. The Eagles had absolutely just crap pumped them in dc and i'm sorry not dc ral john maryland and um (laughs) and taylor taylor heineke he's not gonna let them lose either but you got to give credit to that defense for for
for putting up what they did against the Eagles. So I'm I'm yeah. just shocked that they pulled that out last night, though. Yeah. Well, and it's too bad that almost nobody started Washington. No. I mean, it makes sense that you wouldn't start against the Eagles. No. But, um, yeah, which actually goes to another thing I wish I knew when the year started. Um, uh, I'll say this. I am always remember from the day Lane Johnson was drafted because yep. he, I think he went, went to college Oklahoma as a freshman. He was either he's a tight end. He might have even been a wide receiver at some point. And I think there's they told the story of one of the coaches asking him, are asking, like, say, what would it take to make for Lane to become a, an offensive lineman? And would show the Eagles the difference between the Eagles being last year's Eagles and being the juggernaut they are this year is effectively AJ Brown and six months because mm-hmm. that's all of a sudden now they're, um, you know, studly. Although maybe this is the sign of things to come. Maybe that was a, uh, a bit of a flash in the pan here. And maybe they're going to have to figure something more like. Um, 11 and 6 or so were, uh, I don't know, we'll see that was, um, division games are always close so I guess we'll have to see how they respond that's the tough part, yeah, division games are tough Ron Rivera, decent coach too you can't ever rule him out and uh, Dallas Goddard that's going to hurt that's yeah. going to hurt Jalen Hurts um, one thing okay, so and we can talk about this especially when we get into dynamic duos, but Tua or Jalen? That's my question. And I'm running this back from like the college days because this is what we saw. I, I feel like it's deja vu all over again where it's like, oh shoot, like Tua might be the better quarterback. Yeah. Jalen yeah, Hurts Jalen Hurts might be the better athlete, but Tua might be the better quarterback. Yeah, like what's happened since since Jalen Hurts got benched for Tua in the national championship game, what's happened since then to make Jalen Hurts like? Because it was Jalen Hurts was not the throw at that point that Tua is. I would say um, it's it feels like Jalen Hurts, and I'm not basing this on any data. I don't mean to slander Jalen Hurts, but I feel like he's um, at risk of falling off a cliff just because he is doesn't have this long history of being like a great passing quarterback to complement his athleticism. And I think Tua does. Tua's risk is maybe more on the injury front yeah yep Mm -hmm. different different sets of issues for different quarterbacks and it's really cool that Mm -hmm. we get to see them now side by side with their own respective teams because it will really give us that healthy analysis where it's like okay Saban really did know what he was doing here when he had made that switch as controversial as it was back when back when that happened that was one of the more insane college football moves but when you're Alabama it's an embarrassment of riches you can have you or I start at quarterback there with the receivers yeah. they have so yeah well that's insane. uh uh wasn't that the Tyree Kill press conference right it was like a reporter asked him what can you do with two at quarterback he's like I'll put up numbers with you at quarterback yeah it's uh <laughs> um yeah but also it's kind of absurd that uh it's absurd the recruiting too that's going on now in some of these SEC schools like Alabama and Clemson you'll have I could just think about it's a different like, league. Um, it's a different league. Yeah. The SEC. It's just a different league. That's all I can say about it. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a Big Ten football fan personally. You know, with Wisconsin Badgers and all, and just watching those SEC boys, it's just built different down there. I don't know what's in the water. I I I have an idea based on demographics and the population yeah. where those recruiting bases are, but it's just yeah. it's just they. They consolidate it. 
it's different. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It's an, it, there's a reason why they're the guys we're watching on Sunday the most. So, all right. Yeah. We're just going to, we're going to go really fast with this all breakout because there's not a whole lot of analysis and there's a lot of overlap this week in week 10. So all breakout, Justin Fields again, just continues breaks out. James Connor. Welcome back. Also, another guy come back from injury. I ran into a buzzsaw in my redraft league of Jonathan Taylor and James Conner. I was like, what the heck? You guys have been hurt all year. And it was on with the guy who was 0-9 in the league. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I tweeted at, I don't know if you saw what I tweeted at Jalen Hurts, but I was like, hey, you know, how about we just score six touchdowns tonight? Didn't happen, but you know what? I can, I can dream. So, uh, it was kind of funny. I was like, man, I- I'm happy for the 0-9 guy, but now I'm caught up in these log jams in one in one of my big money leagues where everybody's six and four, and I'm like, oh well, at least I'm in the mix. But it just stinks when you see that. But good on him for coming back. I wasn't sure if we were gonna get another James Conner game this year. Tony Pollard for running back, obviously benefiting from Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Nick Westbrook, a key, a key, a key, a key, a key, they don't even put that this his second last name on the uh on the ticker all the time they call him nick westbrook but yeah i guess nick westbrook <laughs> Akine? yeah that's a that's a name you make up on madden um gabe davis and terry mclaurin i'm putting them in the breakout category because i just don't get that consistent like one they don't have the top scores every week and i just don't get consistent production from either of them to merit them as like honorable mentions so i'm calling them breakouts because they're so hit or miss right now you're gonna play them if you have them but i just can't count on them if that makes sense right yeah i think um yeah right you, it, there's some players who just don't end up having a choice so you're not gonna find a free agent that is a better choice to start than terry mclaurin yep but he's gonna break your heart a few times exactly yep and then for tight ends dalton schultz definitely coming into his own definitely a beneficiary from dak being back Another surprising tight end. So again, we have Jawan Johnson up here, and I just just as soon as you thought it couldn't get any weirder for the Saints, Jawan Johnson, kind of a interesting case for a tight end pickup on your waiver wire if you needed one, right? Yeah, I was um, honestly I was looking at waiver wires for this week, and it felt strange to be in a spot where I was hesitant to drop Jawan Johnson mm-hmm. in a league where I had George Kittle. So it's just it's it's yeah, it might be legitimate. It seems like I know we know the Saints have a ever since Jimmy Graham left, he's had they've had a revolving door of tight ends. Um, it seems like their number two tight end is always a, 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 a sneaky sleeper, according to some small percentage of you know the bowels of the internet that we're familiar with, but. Um, yeah, maybe Juwan Jensen, maybe he's legit. I feel better about Dalton Schultz because yeah. I know he's um, he's in a better – he's at least shown it for a little bit. Uh, he's shown me something more. He's on a, maybe a better offense right now, especially as we're waiting for Jameis uh, to come back. But, yeah, yeah Juwan Jensen, he might, be, he might be for real. I don't know. It just feels strange. Him and Cole Komet, kind of, they're, they're kind of like on my – I, I want to buy. I actually do need to buy because um, – Everett got hurt this weekend, so I'm looking at one of those two for sure. And then for our all-breakout flex, Paris Campbell is the only receiver that seems to be having a good year for the Colts, which is just bizarre to me. It doesn't make his, – his success doesn't make sense with everything else they have out there. 
but we should have yeah, we we, we should have known it was going to be unpredictable in the same way that Curtis Samuel happened with Carson Wentz. We didn't know who Matt Ryan was going to target in Indianapolis. We didn't. We just didn't know. Yeah, and if uh, anyone in your league is, forgetting, is not connecting, that the last few weeks were with Sam Ellinger, um, that was, and that yep. is the explanation for every Colt just dropping off. Yeah, um, that's as good of an explanation as you need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't think it was Sam. I think it was more so Frank Reich. But I yeah, yeah. I th- I, th- I think I I think Sam had a little bit to do with it. But I think coaching has a lot more to do with it in those situations. And Sam was just a desperation move that the Colts made. And who knows? I could be wrong about that. It could have been just Sam being bad. But it's kind of strange how all of a sudden you let Matt Ryan under the hood again and let him just go out and play like Jeff Saturday probably did. And everything seemed to work. That that's that's yeah. that's why I think it was Frank Reich more than Sam Ellinger, because Matt Ryan could yeah. just come in and act like nothing happened. Yeah, it's interesting because Matt Ryan, you think, has enough knowledge that he could have been the interim head coach. Absolutely, um, that, that's what I'm saying. He actually is more applied, probably had more direct um, schematic knowledge to apply at the time than Jeff Saturday did. But um, if Jeff Saturday is there for the rally, the uh, the troops to be kind of the emotional leader of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe it was a matter of just Matt Ryan stepping in. Um, it would be interesting to see what would happen if we had Sam Ellinger as a starter. In fact, we would have tested your theory. I know, um, I know, we but... would have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would it would have been a good test. But I I I feel like Frank Reich had a lot to do with it. Um, yeah. and then um and then defense breakout defense. Welcome back, uh, T.J. Watt. All of a sudden, the Steelers defense is a unit against the Saints. And then oh. I'm sorry. I always have to mention this. Joey Sly, kicker of the week, and Eddie Pinero for Carolina, yeah. breakout kicker of the week for Carolina. We have to give the yeah. kickers a little credit because some fantasy leagues still want to have kickers in them. So it's yeah. something that I always put on the voting block every year. And we, in one of my, my main redraft league, everybody's pro kicker for whatever reason. Just happy that they're not in my dynasty league. I'd hate to have to waste fab on them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's strange. Like I have um, at that point, why don't we just now add punters in? Like I know, on. yeah. Like, DraftKings drop them, we can drop them. Yeah. Well, if we if shoot if we like, I okay, we're wasting time here talking about kickers. <laughs> okay, so here's yeah. my bone to pick with you. So, you you said something that resonated with me in your blog because I had picked up the Raiders defense initially yeah but then i was like tj watts coming back so i'm gonna pick up the steelers then your blog drops and you reiterated my consensus with the raiders going up against a jeff saturday led colts team and i went and i wasted a waiver to get the raiders back on my (laughs) roster ended up playing them and then i ran into that buzzsaw of Jonathan Taylor and James Conner and the Steelers end up being one of the top defenses of the week. And I was like, Oh, I didn't make the wrong decision. I know my head was in the right place. We didn't know what was going to happen with Jeff Saturday being the coach, but I was like, man, I got, I should have went with my own gut there, but you know what? It's okay to take second opinions. We all make those mistakes with our fantasy lineups, especially when we're, we're streamlining defenses, quarterbacks. So that's my one bone to pick with Byron's blog last week. And other than that, though, <laughs> golden content. 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I think the um, if you're reading the karma waves, it was all heading in the right direction. It was. But then once you uh, once Brandon picked up Las Vegas, like if that was it. Is say like, all right, now there's enough has happened. Now we uh, the universe is gonna go make everyone pay back here. So. Yep, yep, yep. No, I yeah. think I think Jonathan Taylor being Jonathan healthy Taylor. too, though. I think that should have that should have probably sounded the alarm bell because yeah. it don't take a it don't take a genius to say let's give jonathan taylor the ball it's kind of a no-brainer so all right let's just do our honorable mentions quick quarterback patrick mahomes Tua Tagovailoa, jalen hurts matt ryan trevor lawrence running back dalvin cook saquon barkley josh jacobs jeff wilson jr wide receiver Devonte adams stefan diggs deandre hopkins chris godwin Kadarius tony darius slayton rondell moore tyler higby foster moreau tj hawkinson harrison bryant jordan atkins and noah gray to round out the tight ends all right, let's do our dynamic duos quick here. Justin Fields, Cole Komet stack. Again, that's one to look out for that Byron and I were just talking about here. That quarterback tight end stack, if you can get one next year, it might be something worth just looking at because we are now seeing more sample sizes of this manifesting across the league. Other dynamic duos, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Tony, Marquez, Valdez-Scantling before he got hurt. Tua Tagovailoa, Trent Sherfield, and Tyreek Hill this week. Not uh, the biggest week for Waddle, but it's going to be hit or miss with that team. Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys. You would have been very happy there. One that nobody had, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, or Matt Ryan, Paris Campbell? Probably not, but it was a dynamic duo. Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Devin Singletary would have had you a happy camper. Ryan Tannehill and Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Aaron Rodgers, Christian Watson, and Aaron Jones to round it out. So those were our duos of the week, and I'm not sure what stood out to you out of all of that, Byron, but that's kind of my just my general consensus that I'm getting from this conversation is that something to watch out for next year would be that quarterback tight end stack if you can somehow arrange that in your top 10 of your draft. Yeah, I'd say the uh, the only other trend that I'll mention that I think I sure. should have known going into the year is the speed receiver combination of mm. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yep. I didn't know that Mike McDaniel knew how to unlock that, but if you can find something like that that's just a tactical advantage for an offense, mm-hmm. I think that's going to have just grab one of those receivers, maybe even both of them, and hedge your bets a little bit. I think that's a good, un- like, not a traditional stack, but two wide receivers from the same team. If I had Waddle and Hill, I'd be doing pretty well right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, we don't want to take any more of your time this evening. We really appreciate you jumping on with us, Byron. This has been a real pleasure. We hope to have you back uh, sooner than later because there's still enough fantasy left and your analysis is valued because sometimes my analysis just isn't enough for the people so we want to give the people the best content we can get our hands on follow byron cobalt on reddit go on his website check out his blog follow him on twitter we'll have all his links in the podcast description we appreciate you coming out tonight and uh yeah it was a great time thanks thanks brandon for having me on this was fun yeah a lot of fun appreciate it Hey, do you want to invest in your favorite players like stocks? Well, with Prediction Strike, you can. Now, this app 
prediction strike, you can buy and sell shares and athletes and build a portfolio based on who is going to perform in their games or just your favorite players. Download the app and use the code phantom with an f all capitals when you sign up prediction strike the world's first sports stock market hello this is simon short of the phantom football podcast part of the phantom podcast family Every Tuesday, join me, Benjamin Parker, and Ronan Summers as we react to and analyze every game, piece of news, and trend across the NFL. Listen, subscribe, rate, and review the Phantom Football Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Follow the Phantom Football Podcast on Twitter at Phantom Football and email the show at phantomfootballpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome back to the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to jump into our Week 11 preview. Again, big shout-out to Byron Cobalt for joining us for that Week 10 recap. We're going to preview Week 11 here. So, yeah, check out Byron Cobalt's stuff. He's a great follow, and we'll be obviously sharing all of his stuff in the podcast description. So, with that being said, let's get into Week 11, kicking things off on Thursday Night Football. We have... The Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans dueling it out. So this game, obviously, one-dimensional for the Tennessee Titans, clearly. We're only interested in playing Derrick Henry on that side of the coin. Um, But on the Packers' side, Aaron Jones is a must-go. I would play Aaron Rodgers if I had to at my quarterback option. Obviously, you might be able to find better options, but... I think that he would be a go. Christian Watson, if healthy, and you need something, put him in there. So he's playing Thursday night. So if you're playing Christian Watson, you're playing him in the receiver spot, not your flex, because we do not play flex players on Thursday night football or early slate Sunday unless all of our rosters play in that early slate Sunday. So with that being said, Christian Watson could be an interesting go if you are a gambling man. I think he might be able to catch lightning twice based on that production. I think he figured some stuff out on Sunday. And I don't know if that's my Packer bias speaking or not, but I think he figured some stuff out. Then I would also be interested in potentially playing Robert Tanyan. He could have himself a big game. He did not have a great game on Sunday, but... That could change as well. Running back Aaron Jones still has a Q take on him. Um, I'd still play him if he's healthy. He's a go. So, yeah, with that being said, A.J. Dillon, I'm not interested in playing him because I don't know what his role is from a production standpoint. He's out there playing snaps for the Packers, but I don't think he is fantasy relevant this season. So, moving things over to Sunday, we have Chicago at Atlanta. We're obviously playing Justin Fields. I'm playing Cole Komet if I have him on my team. If I don't have him on my team, I'm trying to get him urgently. And I'm also playing David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert on the IR. David Montgomery is going to get a lot of opportunities to run the ball with Justin Fields. It's basically going to be those two. 
and I haven't seen any Chase Claypool production per se from Chicago yet. Not to say that he won't, but it's just not looking. I'm just not as confident in Claypool as I am in other receiver options. Darnell Mooney, meh, and Cole Komet, Justin Fields, David Montgomery for Chicago. On the Atlanta side, Cordero Patterson didn't have that great of a game, but he's going to be getting those opportunities for the Falcons because he is their Swiss Army knife. So even though it didn't work out for him last Thursday against Carolina, I feel like he's still a go. Marcus Mariota, go. He's a good option at quarterback considering who they're playing. And yeah, Chicago's defense hasn't been anything too special. And in terms of Falcons players, I have a difficult time justifying the rest of their roster in a lot of areas. So uh, I mean, Pitts, you're going to play Pitts. If you have him, Pitts owners, go for it. Last week, only about four points, depending on your league format. I don't know. It's tough with Pitts. They just don't have that. He's just not used. So Cardell Patterson and Marcus Mariota might be my only two there. But Chicago, you at least have some action there. So that's a good sign. Then Carolina is traveling up to Baltimore. So Carolina, interesting case. Obviously, Dante Foreman is a play. DJ Moore. I just don't know. And Baltimore's defense is looking a little better too. So I'm just not Carolina outside of the running backs. Not really all that interested. Yeah. Uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. is a cool story with the LSU connection. Everybody's trying to correlate from the time with LSU with Joe Burrow and company, but I'm just not buying it yet just because of the quarterback situation. I'm pretty sure Baker Mayfield's getting the nod here as well. So that could be interesting. Yep, P.J. Walker's out. So Baker Mayfield is in. And yeah, Dante Foreman uh, is the only one I'm really interested in playing on this offense just because they have to run the ball. And I I don't know. I'm, I'm not really interested in LaVishka Chenault. Just not my forte, personally. Tommy Tremble interesting case i could see if you're really desperate at tight end you might want to grab him but i i don't know yeah nope just looking at his seasonal outlook yeah nope dante foreman's it dante foreman or bust don't don't touch that team with a 10-foot pole baltimore on the other hand obviously feast or famine in that area um mark andrews questionable but if he is available, you're likely going to play him. And if he's not, Isaiah likely is going to be the play for the Ravens. Now, the receivers, though, Devin Duvernay, I, I don't understand why he's not getting more attention. Uh, it just confuses me because I think he's a good receiver. But this could be one of those situations where it's just not in the offensive cards to get him the ball as regularly. He's fairly touchdown dependent, too. So I don't think I'm going to necessarily want to play him based on what has happened the past couple of weeks. Yeah, the last time he played, like, all his best games are when he's getting multiple carries. 
in conjunction with reception. So unless they're going to force feed him the ball, we have no guarantees on him. So a high, I mean, flex if you have to, but if you have better options, I would go with that instead. Now, running back though, Gus Edwards still with the Q tag. I don't know if he's going to play. Kenyon Drake might be the only guy worth playing in this backfield. J.K. Dobbins obviously still on the IR. I Baltimore's running back situation is just weird. I don't understand why they can't keep one of those guys healthy or just find any consistency there. Shoot, maybe should got Dante Foreman. Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is a go, obviously. He has the potential to bust out, but he hasn't been his like best form either. So if I'm going up against Lamar Jackson, I'm not feeling as intimidated considering his performance the last couple of weeks. Shoot, the last six weeks, it hasn't been that great for him. We'll see what we get out of the bye, but it's it's truly going to depend on all the other components of the offense. And Cleveland is traveling to Buffalo. I'm not sure. I'm interested in anybody outside of Chubb for Cleveland. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is this is this the Deshaun Watson week, or does he still have a couple weeks to go? Yep, okay, on track to make his debut week 13. All right, not the Deshaun Watson week yet, so we're still subject to Jacoby Brissett uh, playing quarterback. Nick Chubb is the only one I'm interested in playing. Kareem Hunt, non-existent right now in the offense. Oh, also, you're going to play Amari Cooper if you have him just because of his sheer ability to garner majority of the targets in this offense. Although Donovan Peoples-Jones has been making a case for more work. And that's been an interesting one to see because he's usually been wavering on the the top waiver wire player depending on the week. So uh, I don't know. I, somebody played him in a league I was in last week and it wasn't like he did terrible. He did serviceable work. So I feel like there's worse flex plays than People's Jones. I'm not saying call him a pickup, but go for it. If you need a receiver to pick up on the waiver wires, People's Jones, roll the dice. And then Harrison Bryant, another interesting case. Uh, it's all going to depend on Njoku's status. Still has the Q take on him. I don't know if I'm really, like I said, I think it's Chubb and Cooper, and that's about it for, for me. And then Buffalo, obviously you're playing Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis might draw a difficult matchup considering that Cleveland's secondary has some dudes. But I would also be, you you drafted Gabe Davis to play him. So I feel like you have to play him even though he hasn't been as productive as you'd like. It's feast or famine for him. It's not, he's not Terry McLaurin though. So that's the hard part about it. And I know that I was talking about Gabe Davis and Terry McLaurin in the same sentence, but they're just, I know Gabe Davis is probably a better receiver. They're not the same dude, but I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. Be wary about Gabe Davis, especially with Stefan Diggs being who he is. Um, I wouldn't play Dawson Knox. Production just hasn't been there this year for him. And Isaiah McKenzie, although McKenzie we thought was going to be one of the breakout guys in this offense, it seems as though target share is being dominated by the two dogs in Davis and Diggs. And then Devin Singletary has a he 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 had production last week, so 
good RB, high end RB two, not not high end, but good RB two ish. So I'd be playing Singletary if I had to. I'm in a situation where I have to play Singletary. I'm okay with playing him because he has the ability to not only be good in the run game, but he also has the ability to get involved with Buffalo's pass game as well. So that is pros and cons there to Singletary. And outside of that, I'm not really looking at much else. So for Buffalo, it's Allen, Diggs, Davis, Singletary. That's my, yeah. So yeah, Allen, number one, Diggs, number two, Davis, Singletary, my Buffalo Bills. Also, Buffalo Bills defense might be a decent play in this one. Just a thought. All right, so then moving on with things in that early slate on Sunday, Washington at Houston. So Houston is just, they're tough. They're they're a tough pill to swallow. I don't envy any uh, Texan fans to be completely honest they're they're just hard to watch it it i there's no other way to say it uh damian pierce looks like he's a go so yeah you're gonna play him of course not playing anybody else brandon cooks perhaps yeah brandon cooks and damian pierce although brandon cooks probably wishes he was on another team so that's it for houston texans washington Good defense play this week. Good defensive play, especially considering how their defense played last week. And Taylor Heineke, sneaky waiver wire quarterback pickup potentially. Who knows? Uh, Terry McLaurin, yes. And I am also interested in Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Seeing some splits here in the backfield with these two. So, that is a good sign. More fantasy production for everybody when that is happening. And everybody eats. I like that when everybody can eat. So that's all I got for what I'm interested in that offense in particular. Yeah, probably not Taylor Heineke, to be frank. I mean, yeah, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, and Brian Robinson. Those are the three for that team. So that's going and, to, and Washington's defense. Yeah, should say Washington's defense. There we go. Good waiver pickup this week. I saw Philadelphia traveling to Indianapolis, the Jeff Saturday Colts. Um, Philadelphia is in an interesting situation. I'm questioning the productivity of this offense consistently. Um, I, I th- just saying, I know that they played a divisional game and there was a good shot. You know, obviously a familiar opponent in the Commanders, but. They just the production just hasn't been there the way that it was previously, so it's definitely going to be on the shoulders of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith in the receiving game. A little bit of Quez Walker, Zach Pascal, uh, visiting his old team there. Zach Pascal, Dallas Goddard is not looking good. So tight end options: Jack Stoll, Grant, Calcaterra. Calcaterra, uh, so probably first name, I I don't know. I'm not playing any tight ends for Philly, that's for sure. Um, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith or goes, especially because Dallas Goddard won't be taking Devontae Smith targets away. Miles Sanders, just because of his touchdown potential, yes. And then Jalen Hurts, you're going to play him because 
you drafted him where you have no choice but to play him. Hopefully they bounce back from that Monday night performance. I I think that had a little bit to do with just all of the things and playing a divisional opponent. The Indianapolis Roland Colts after their win against the Raiders. Matt Ryan probably getting the nod again today. I mean Sunday. Uh, Sam Ellinger should be riding the pine. No question about it. Jonathan Taylor, no issues here. So he is a go. And then also Michael Pittman, go. And Paris Campbell, if you aren't playing him yet, you really should start playing him because it's clear that him and Matt Ryan have some sort of connection. I'm not sure what that means, but Paris Campbell has been unlocked by Matt Ryan. So we have only fantasy games to benefit from it. Jacksonville had seven receptions at Tennessee, 10 receptions had a little bit of a decline because we were dealing with the Frank Reich crap where he was trying to save his job with Sam Ellinger Ellinger, and uh, then he gets back with Matt Ryan, seven receptions, Paris Campbell reception, uh, reception magnet. It's kind of smells like there's some mojo there so i would be jumping on that if he's still available on your waivers new york jets traveling to the pats in foxborough so jets i like conklin i'm not sure what else i like on their offense at this time garrett wilson is demanding more work so there's an option there as well if you need a flex or a wide receiver too. Garrett Wilson could be a good option. And running back Michael Carter, James Robinson, I mean, RB2s for sure. Not, nothing to write home about, unfortunately, since Brees Hall has been hurt. And then Tyler Conklin, decent play at tight end. Not the worst you could do worse. I'm not really looking at Zach Wilson as a viable start option in fantasy at this juncture. And then switching it over to the Pats, you're obviously going with Ramondre Stevenson. That is a must. No doubt about that. And everybody else, not really interested. Jacoby Myers, perhaps wide receiver two flex option. Uh, Devontae Parker, nah, Nelson Aguilar, I'm all right. Tyquan Thornton, Dynasty, pick up potentially. D- deeper leagues, maybe. And then Hunter Henry, I'm just not really interested in any of the tight ends right now. They just aren't, they're not the, you know, they're not, they don't garner targets the way that the receivers do. So we will take a pass there. Then we have the LA Rams traveling to New Orleans, New Orleans, who is still not playing Jameis Winston despite having the ability to play. At this point, Dennis Allen, what are you doing? Can we just get some Jameis, please? Jameis makes things more fun. NFL is more fun when Jameis Winston is playing. So please and thank you. Please consider it. So uh, we are just tired of Andy Dalton. Uh, We want Jameis and... Because Jameis makes Chris Olave look better. That was tough. That was tough last week with Chris Olave. I'm not sure what happened there. I am interested in what Juwan Johnson can do, though, again. Uh, Juwan Johnson has been 
very successful lately. Um, the past few weeks, yeah, five receptions, 32 yards, two receptions, touchdown in week nine against Baltimore, and then at Pittsburgh, five receptions, got the touchdown. You would have had a very couple good weeks with Juwan Johnson, so he's one to watch out for in terms of the waiver wire tight ends if you need one right now. Chris Olave, obviously still a top receiving option, although I'm a little concerned about his production considering that it just hasn't been there. Obviously going to play Alvin Kamara at your running back spot if you have him because that's what he does, but it's been kind of disappointing season for him. So there's a lot of frustration, I feel like, amongst Alvin Kamara owners because you had the first four weeks, which was trash, the next four weeks, which were cash, and now you're flowing to another four weeks of mediocrity if you're going to base it off of the sample size from week nine going into week 12, hadn't even cracked the 10 point club from a fantasy perspective. He's just not impacting games the way that he had been. It's a strange regression for sure. So you're going to play him though. You can't not play him if you have him. So I wish you good luck, Alvin Kamara owners. Next up, Detroit traveling to the Meadowlands to face off with the New York Fighting Football Giants. This is going to be a scrappy game. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of points here. I used to think that Detroit equals points because of that Seattle game that inflated fantasy scores everywhere, but I don't think it's the case, especially with an offense like the Giants because they're kind of slower. They like to burn the clock. Um, they're not a fast-paced uh, offense like Kansas City or um, some of those other high-flying offenses. So DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams must starts at the running back spot for Detroit. Amon Ross St. Brown as the receiver. And that's about it. Jared Goff, perhaps. Um, but to be honest, I'm not really interested in his services on my fantasy team this week. Daniel Jones could be a good play, considering that it is the Lions. Running back, obviously, Saquon, you're riding him right now. Saquon owners, ride him, ride him, ride him. Wandell Robinson, sneaky good play, maybe, but not really. Darius Slayton, I, he's getting all the attention right now for this receiving game in terms of the Giants. I don't understand why he's not rostered more everywhere. I understand he's kind of meh, but been getting the job done that's for sure daniel bellinger still a q tag after the eye injury so we'll just put a pause button there for now and then giants defense is a potential go depending on what you need all right so moving then on to the afternoon slate las vegas at denver broncos the disappointing denver broncos and let's see here. So Jared Judy still has the Q tag on him. Seems like Cortland Sutton's a go because he is the only receiver on that team outside of Greg Dulcich, who's also a go for some reason. Russell Wilson loves his high socks. Didn't have as great of a game last weekend, but just because of what he's capable of, he had a great 
the first three weeks. Um, we'll see what happens ultimately with Greg D at the running back spot. I'm not sure who you want to even try there. Melvin Gordon's a good RB too. And that's all I'm really interested in, to be quite honest. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just not feeling it with uh, Chase Edmonds yet. So, we shall see. We shall see. Chase Edmonds is probably third back. He'll probably be the third down back for Denver by the end of the year when it's all said and done. But I don't see him doing a whole lot more outside of that. Russell Wilson, not interested. Put that period down. All right. Uh, as for the Vegas Raiders, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs are still the only two I have eyes for. Personally, I'm not really looking at anybody else in this offense as effective, to be quite frank. Hunter Renfro on the IR could be good for Mac Collins. Could also just go to Devontae Adams. Seen it happen before. Foster Moreau, sneaky tight end play. Darren Waller still on the IR, so that might be a good one to just submit him because, yeah, he might be Foster might be a good tight end play just because you're looking at all the factors there. He isn't doing, um, he's not Darren Waller, but there's no Hunter Renfro either. So who else is Derek Carr gonna throw the ball to? I mean, can't give Mac Collins every target, so Foster probably gonna get involved. That would be a good play, actually. Not interested in any of those defenses, though. That's for sure. Not Denver's, actually. Sorry. Denver's defense, yes. All right. Dallas traveling up north again. Wow. Dallas has go from to Green Bay to Minnesota. At least they get to play inside. So Dallas, obviously, Dak is a go. C.D. Lamb is a go. Dalton Schultz is a go. So that's good for you. I don't know if I'd want to play their defense this week considering Minnesota, Minnesota's offensive capabilities and the Packers were able to take advantage of their defense as well last week. I, I don't know if they took advantage of it. I just think they played better than the Dallas Cowboys last week. So Minnesota obviously hot right now. You're, you're looking, oh, obviously for Dallas too. Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. I think they're both a go. Is if Ezekiel's playing, you have to play him. But if Pollard is going, if Ezekiel's still hurt, Pollard is a great option. All right, and then moving on to the Minnesota side of the ball, Dalvin Cook, yes, Justin Jefferson, absolutely yes, and T.J. Hawkinson, yes, Kirk Cousins, yes. So a lot of good options there for the Minnesota Vikings to utilize in the fantasy side of things. Adam Thielen and Osborne and just some of those other guys. I mean, maybe Thielen at, at a flex, but I, I feel like you'd be better off not even trying and you probably get production better elsewhere. So I would just do that. I would I would rather pick up Justin Watson for Kansas City then play Adam Thielen. Now watch me eat my words there, but I'm just saying there's there's there could be some better receivers elsewhere to put your uh, fantasy stock in this weekend than Adam Thielen. It's okay. I love Adam Thielen, but it's just not he's just not what he used to be. That's coming from a Packers fan too. 
being really I'm being really thorough here. It takes a lot for me to give the Vikings and Bears respect the way they've been playing lately. Dallas and Minnesota. Next up, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. So obviously playing Joey B. And I don't think Jamar Chase is back yet. So that would give me T. Higgins vibes there for sure. So yeah, T. Higgins go. Jamar Chase is out. Tyler Boyd is a play if you have him on your roster. Joe Mixon is a go as well. And Hayden Hurst too. Now, obviously, with TJ Watt coming back, this Steelers defense is look at looking a little more uh, looking a little more nice. Um, so that's something to watch out for. But in terms of the Pittsburgh side of it, I'm only interested in Deontay, Deontay Johnson, Pickens, maybe Harris. I just, Najee just hasn't been what we thought he'd be. Bill of Goods sold Najee. His stock dropped exponentially. Clearly going to play Pat Fryermuth. He's a must play. Q take for Najee today. Jalen Warren getting a little more action as well, but it's just not a very productive offense at the running back position right now. So I I'm, I know you're going to play Najee if you have him, but if you have better options, go for it. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Fry, Pat Fryermuth. Top three options right now, at least. All right, and then moving over to Kansas City, traveling to SoFi to face on the Chargers. Kansas City is an interesting situation because all their wide receivers got hurt on Sunday. So who is Patrick Mahomes going to throw the ball to? Obviously, Travis Kelsey, Q tags for Juju and Hardman. Kadarius Tony, interesting case there for sure. Um, obviously, beneficiary of playing with Patrick Mahomes is that he gets you the ball a lot, um, especially if you're the only guy out there. So who knows if they might have found a connection there. But that it might be a sneaky good pickup on the waiver wires as he is still available in a number of leagues. So... One to watch out for, for sure, just to see what he has. If McCole Hardman's a go, he might be worth picking up to and playing because he is one of Patrick Mahomes' favorite targets considering the familiarity there. They didn't hang on to McCole Hardman for nothing. He is an asset to this offense. So there's that. I don't know why I said Justin Watson earlier. I apologize. I shouldn't. I should not have dissed Adam Thielen that bad. Justin Watson and Sky Moore are kind of in the same class when it comes to those receivers. Kadarius Tony, though, that might be the one to go for. All things considered. And then Monday night. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgot about the Chargers. Can't forget about the Chargers. I feel like it's just Austin Eckler right now, though. They've been pretty forgettable, to be frank. DeAndre Carter has been pretty good uh, the past couple of weeks. Been a little frustrating, especially if you've had Josh Palmer. But who knows what will happen. Q takes for Keenan and Mike Williams. So we'll gauge their ability to come back this week if they are goes. You're obviously going to give the green light to Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, though, it always feels like a game-time decision with him. So be on your toes if you are a Keenan Allen owner. This feels like the Keenan Allen injury season, though. 
We know that he has those years from time to time where he has seasons that he's incredible and then he has seasons that he's just hurt. So this might be one of those hurt seasons. Austin Eckler looks like a boom, boom play as always. Even though he didn't do you an incredible job last weekend, he's a must-go. Gerald Everett with the Q tag. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to play. There's a chance he doesn't. Uh, watch out for that. It's a groin injury, so those are very day-to-day. And that's all we have on the Charger front as of now. San Francisco 49ers then traveling to Arizona, just south to the desert for the Niners in the Bay. And, uh, wow, that talk about a last second last week with Kyler owners. My goodness. I mean, do you all get... Colt McCoy in time because at least he put up a serviceable performance I would have been very frustrated though so Rondell Moore is a must start I made the mistake of benching him last week paid the price I took my L DeAndre Hopkins obviously without a question but these two are the two primary targets in this offense there's no doubt about it James Conner is going to get in more involved they dropped Eno Benjamin and I don't know who else going to be. You got Corey Clement here now too, but it seems as though this is James Connors' backfield to dominate. And then Kyler Murray with the Q tag right now. So if Colt McCoy's a go, rather be safe than sorry. And then defense for the Cardinals. Not really interested, but I am interested in the 49ers defense. Maybe just a little bit, but I don't know. We'll see. So for the 49ers, obviously, it's Christian McCaffrey because... Kyle Shanahan has a Christian McCaffrey problem. I think he is addicted to playing him and just giving him the ball. But sometimes it's going to require a little Elijah Mitchell in there to mix it up. Debo Samuel has been definitely regressed because of Christian McCaffrey being there. Debo Samuel had the most to lose with the Niners acquiring Christian McCaffrey. And I know that Christian McCaffrey makes the Niners a little better. But I, if I'm Debo, I'm definitely a little frustrated. But his production versus his pro, his projection versus his production just hasn't been there. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, he's still coming off injury from the from week eight. He had the bye, too. So we'll see what will happen. He's going to get his eventually. He's too good of a weapon to not utilize. And then George Kittle, George Kittle owners will play him. However, I just, I like Kittle a lot, but do his numbers consistently merit him start? I guess it does. Talking to a guy that has Gerald Everett, so who am I to tell you? Yeah, George Kittle, potential is always there with him. So I understand if you're going to play him. I'm just I'm just spewing stuff at this point. Nonetheless, this was a lot of fun. This episode was a lot of fun. I hope that our our uh, our review of week ten was beneficial to all of you. We'll hopefully look to have Byron Cobalt back, which would be fun for everybody. And as always, it was fun previewing week eleven with you all. And nothing else to really do. Thank you for listening to the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast.
your host, Brandon. You can follow us on Twitter at FSM underscore fantasy, Instagram and TikTok, same handle. Join us on phantomsportsindustries.com for all your sports section needs on the internet. And without further ado, you'll have a great rest of your week. Good luck in your matchups. Make sure you find those right waiver wire pickups, and we'll see you next week. Peace.